words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. There is this gorgeous black and white photo of Archbishop Oscar Romero of El Salvador, now a saint, martyred 39 years ago today. The black and white photo is a close-up of him sitting at a simple table, arms outstretched, fingers interlaced in front of him a big smile on his face, just sitting there with a big smile. Behind him is a simple adobe wall, the color in this photo of our limestone walls here at Trinity, very bare. There are no adornments, but some wear and tear of age are apparent on the surface of the wall. And as he sits there smiling, a shadow, his head casts a stark shadow behind him onto that plain white adobe wall. That shadow mirrors and outlines his head exactly, and it contrasts with the light from the big smile the photo captures. As I looked at it yesterday when I was at St. Christopher's that houses San Romero, the Iglesia Episcopal San Romero, the Episcopal mission of San Romero. As I looked at it, with kids running around the parish hall and food being served, I imagined that that perfectly round, stark shadow behind him began to move, to move above his head transforming, as the light from his smile met it, into a halo by the spirit of love that exuded from him, by the spirit of God that he embraced, the light of Christ that powers the grace of his and our lives, transforming that shadow into a halo of light. And as I looked at the photo, I prayed, may your shadows transform into halos that light up the world like a smile. This prayer just came into my head, and I wasn't sure why those words came to my mind exactly at that time. And then a little bit later, I found out that my, my friend, my mentor, my partner in huge, infectious, mischievous smiles, the man who had ordained me a priest and officiated at my wedding, the retired Episcopal Bishop of El Salvador, Martin Barahona, had died about half an hour before that line of prayer came to me. And I took it as a gift of his earthly departure. May your shadows transform into halos that light up the world like a smile. His smile, too, lit up the stark shadows that are cast in this world, transforming them with the light and embrace and love of Christ. And that kind of transformation 
is the repentance, the conversion to which we are constantly being called by Jesus. And in our gospel today, Jesus calls us to that conversion. Again, he bellows it out in ways that scare us a little bit until we dig down and we hear the bellowing as a concern for our very lives, as a, as a concern to get our attention. And he, he, he calls us to a transformation. And he prays, may we take the tragic and the hard to understand of this world. May we take the hard to bear, the hard to reconcile, the things we never want to get used to, the shadows that are an integral part of our world and of us all. May we take our brokenness and the world's brokenness, the world's hate and pain, the chemical fires that pollute our lives and the gunfire that shortens them, May we take it all, repent of them, and transform them. Transform them with something as free as a smile that we give. Something as free, as powerful, as unquenchable as the grace, the love, the light, the smile of God himself. Jesus speaks to us in the gospel this day to shake us out of, of living on the surface, to shake us out of a superficial, half-hearted, stern-looking, missing out on the true riches of life, anemic existence. He wants us to repent, not to follow some dogma, but to live life fully and faithfully. To live towards the light of transformation and the love of God. Bishop Barona of El Salvador did not live an anemic life. He left an enviable legacy of work amongst the most marginalized and excluded. And he was not perfect by any means. But he lived life with gusto, with joy, and an irreverent reverence. He would sing rancheros at the top of his lungs to his favorite mariachi bands, belting them out as he went at top speed in his pickup truck to a mass or even a funeral. And he helped my prayer life many a time as I rode along with him. And I wasn't sure if he was actually watching the road as he sped and sang as he closed his eyes in a favorite chorus. His meetings were infamous for never lasting less than a very, very, very long time. He loved to talk to you in meetings. He didn't care about schedule. He was uh, from a family of 11 or so, he wasn't sure about some of the folks in the village, brothers and sisters who lived in one of the most conflicted zones during the Civil War in his country. And he still smiled and laughed and lived life with gusto. 
Half of his family sided with the government army in the Civil War and half with the guerrilla rebels, which made for very interesting family dinners when they all finally got together. He was an extremely intelligent man, and yet he often giggled wildly. He was very, very endearing and very, very committed. Bishop Barona said to a group of us from Trinity who had experienced the tragedy of an untimely death while on a medical mission there in, I don't know, if I can't remember, it was 2008 or 2009, somewhere around there. He said to us from Trinity, you are no longer tourists. And what he meant was that we had gotten a deeper, a greater depth of understanding of the reality of what it meant to live in that country. We were no longer tourists, we were brothers and sisters of the people living the reality there. He said, you now know our reality, you share it, you have experienced it, in carne propia, that means in the flesh, you have lived it. You are no longer tourists, you are citizens. We belong to each other, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, in light and in dark. At the beginning of the Gospel reading today, Jesus refers to two tragedies. Once where Pilate, the first where Pilate kills a bunch of Galileans while they're making sacrifices in their temple, and the second there are people who were unlucky enough to be in a poorly constructed tower that fell and killed them due to faulty construction. He refers to these two tragedies before telling the parable of the fig tree. And so that parable needs to be understood in relation to those tragedies. Both tragedies were untimely, unnecessary, violent deaths. And some people in the community where Jesus was at the time were trying to justify those deaths, make some sort of sense of them, by saying that those who had died, the Galileans and those crushed by the tower, had been very sinful people, and that's why they died. So that's why they died. So basically, they were saying that the ones who had died had deserved what they got. And Jesus was, I might even say Jesus is, appalled at the justification of the waste of lives, of trying to understand by justifying unnecessary human death. He was appalled by the mental gymnastics used to justify the violent, senseless loss of human life, which is precious in the eyes of God. Jesus counters that ridiculousness by insisting that those folks who had died were not worse than any others. They did not deserve the death they got. And he warns against justifying their deaths. Do not say that, he says. Repent of that or you will have the same death. That's what he bellows to get our attention to be more kind, to be more humane, 
to dig deeper than the easy superficial answers to make ourselves feel better. Do not say that somehow those who died got what they deserved. They were not worse or better than anyone. Humanity belongs to each other for better or worse. In sickness and in health, in darkness or in light, all humanity is priceless. So in this gospel context, Jesus is not asking us to memorize some statements or proclaim some dogma. He's not looking for some rote recitation of words. And he's not looking up for us to be scared into conformity by a God who intimidates. In the parable, God is not the one who wants to chop down the fig tree. In the parable, think of God as the one who sees the potential, the value of the tree that is bearing no fruit. Think of God as the one who wants to nourish the fruitless tree. The parable calls us to a repentance away from devaluing life to nurturing it whether it's productive or not. Don't just cut down what you think is not profitable, not fruitful, not useful. Give it what it needs to thrive. That tree cannot bear fruit if not replenished, fertilized, defended, tended. Interdependency is, is a reality, it's a gift not an inconvenience. We belong to each other. Oscar Romero once described a time in his life when he needed conversion from what he called the egoism toward community. And he had stayed out of touch. He said he had strayed out of touch with what affected the people of his country for whom he genuinely, deeply cared, through whom he had been called to service of Christ. He talked of the repentance, the conversion he needed as, as something motivated not out of fear of God, who would punish him if he did not get back on the way, not a conversion, a repentance, not motivated by the terrible consequences to himself if he did not repent. He spoke of it as a returning to life, to communion, to communication with the God that gives light, life, love. He said all was not lost for him, although he had strayed because... Now, first I'm going to say this in Spanish, and then I'll translate it into English. But he said that all was not lost because carbón que ha sido brasa con un soplo vuelve a encender. Which roughly translated means charcoal that has become embers can with a puff of air or a blow of the breath reignite its flame. 
Your life has become embers. A breath from the Spirit of God can bring back the life-giving flame. And I think of this in relation to the Exodus reading, where God's fire does not consume the bush, where God's fire calls attention, calls Moses' attention to the purpose for his life and sends him on his way. So I ask you to imagine again a black and white photo of a humble middle-aged man smiling. That photo that I spoke of at the beginning of the sermon. Imagine again a person with dual realities of casting shadows behind them and beaming smiles in front. And may we be called to the transformation that occurs when that light reaches the dark and shines a halo in our lives. May we exude a spirit of love, embrace the will of God, power our repentance and conversion and transformation with the light of Christ to fully live into the gift of grace that is our lives. May your shadows transform into halos that light up the world like a smile from God.